Well, good morning, everyone. Brothers and sisters, I've got good news for you today, news you already know. Jesus Christ, our Lord, is risen from the dead. And that changes everything about the way that we look at our lives. I mean, we've been told that Jesus is building a kingdom beyond what we can see now, a kingdom that will last forever. And anyone who comes to Jesus, anyone who repents of their sins, says sorry to God and trusts God for their salvation, is not only forgiven by Jesus, we're brought into God's family and we are a part of the kingdom that he's talking about. Jesus is Lord. So what that means is that whether our lives in this world are short or they're long, as Christians, we know that this life is just chapter one of the story that God is going to write. Chapter two is a certainty. News came through yesterday that we lost a giant in the Christian faith. J.I. Packer uh, died. Many people have been helped by his books and by his theology over the years. But we haven't really lost him, have we? He's just gone from chapter 1 into chapter 2. He's enjoying glory with God now. And we thank God for the privilege of having him with us uh, as well. Now, we've been given a good salvation, we've seen over the last few weeks. We are privileged to uh, be equipped to bear good fruit. And today we get to see it's because of this good hope that we have, that is unshakable, that will never perish, spoil or fade. Praise God that this is what Christians believe. So why wouldn't we live our lives with joy and with confidence in this world, given what we know, given what we believe? Why wouldn't we? Well, worry in this world is a huge barrier for us, isn't it? I mean, worry, uh, do you remember the uh, parable that Jesus told about the parable of the sower? You remember, of course, the seed that was planted in the thorny ground grew quickly, but it was choked by the weeds and the thorns. Do you remember what the weeds and the thorns represented? It was the problems, the troubles and the worries of this world. Jesus knew that worry is a faith killer. Now, worry is one of those things that we all kind of know about, but it's kind of hard to anchor down what it is. There's so much, though, that we worry about in this world, isn't there? In this COVID world that we live in, so much has been un, uh, unsettled, unsettled, so much has been uh, shaken up. There's so much uncertainty around. I mean, the news of the last few days is that it looks like that New South Wales might be headed towards another lockdown. I'm not a prophet on any of this. I don't have any inside information, but we've seen what's happening in Victoria and we know that it's starting to happen here in New South Wales. And once again, we've, we, we might be entering into another phase where we have to go into these things as well. I mean, there's so much uncertainty around us. There's so much to worry about in a worldly sense, isn't there? I mean, we had plans for this year that are now taken away. We're worried about jobs and security in life. The things that we may have taken for granted, the things that we planned for into the future, maybe they're not there anymore. How do we even plan into a future where we don't even know what 
things are going to look like uh, as well. I've got to tell you that over the past period of time, I've been up at night, finding it hard to sleep. Sometimes my brain has just been active and it's been negative things I've been thinking about. Things have been playing around in my head, replaying things that I should have done. Or maybe I'm frustrated with the way things are going or I have concerns about what's coming up ahead as well. Stuff that I just wish I was better at as well or that I had better understanding of what to do. Now, I'm saying these things not because it's a cry for help from the pulpit in any way. It's just that I've had a number of conversations with people who are feeling the same way about the period of time we live in. Sleepless nights, worries about life in general, about what this COVID world that we live in actually means. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're worried about things in this world as well. I just want to say this morning, Jesus' words are very timely for us to remind us of the good hope that we have in him. Now, that definition, a definition of worry is kind of hard to do sometimes. We all know it, but maybe we find it hard to actually nail down what it is. But you could think of worry as the experience of future-oriented thoughts about a possible problem, concern, or outcome. Worry is associated with anxiety. It's fear or a lack of control. It's projecting forward to a, uh, a possible future and then living out that anxiety in the present. So when I'm awake at 4am in the morning, there's nothing actually wrong at 4am in the morning, is there? I'm just worried about things that could be in the future. And worry can have a large spectrum of things in it. It can be a mild concern about something. It can even work its way up to being a debilitating anxiety in the form of a mental illness as well, requiring medical treatment and and medication as well. And Worry is one of those things that we experience differently. Different people experience worry differently, don't we? But there's something that is common to all of us when it comes to worry. You will worry about the things that you value. You'll worry about the things you care about. You'll worry about the things that you treasure. Put it another way. If you don't value it, you're not going to worry about it. So worry, in some ways, is a diagnostic as to where your heart is. And that's what Jesus cares about in our passage today. It's a question, where is your heart? What are you worried about? Because worry is a heart issue. It's not like Jesus just says, do not worry, and then he kind of drops the mic and then walks off. He's talking in a particular context. He says in verse 22, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. In verse 29, he says, Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. When Jesus says, Do not worry, in our passage today, he is saying, Do not be consumed by fear and anxiety in this world. Do not be consumed by fear and anxiety about the future that's coming in this world either. He's saying, Don't worry about those things. And there's two points in our sermon today. You can see them very clearly from our passage. The first is, Jesus says, do not worry about this life. And then secondly, he says, rather seek after the kingdom. So we're going to look at each of those two points uh, in turn together. It'd be so great if you could have opened the passage in front of you to be able to follow along. 
If you are online and you're watching, then you might like to click on the Bible Gateway link below the screen. That will take you straight to the passage so you can follow along on your computers or screens as well. Let me pray and we will get into God's Word now. Our Father, thank you so much that we come before you knowing that you are sovereign and that your Son is our Lord. Help us to trust him and to expand that trust in your word today. We ask that for Jesus' sake. Amen. So don't worry about this life. Have a look with me at verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. You'll notice here that Jesus isn't offering a suggestion. He's giving us a command. He's saying, don't stray into worry. And if you find yourself in worry, stop being in that place. Because worry is insidious. I mean, if worry shows where your heart is because you worry about things you value, then worrying about things in this life shows that your heart is focused on things in this life as well. Scripture tells us that our hearts were built to find our joy in God. He's supposed to be where our treasure is. He is the one that we value above all. He's to be our consuming passion. Our hearts and our lives are His. And so we're to trust Him that no matter what happens in our lives, God is the one who has it under control and He knows what's going on. Famous English preacher Charles Wesley once had an amazing quote. He said that a man is immortal until his life's work is done. It means if you trust God with your life, you'll know that's true. It means you will not die until all the things that God is going to do in you and through you are going to be accomplished. It means if you or I are still drawing breath, then there's more for us to do. And you know what? We can trust that God will give us the resources, the stamina, and the ability to do the things which he has in mind for us to do. A consuming anxiety about this life reflects a lack of trust in God. When we import the worries of tomorrow, we lose the joy of today. Our hearts move from a delight in God, we start to fixate on ourselves. Have a look again at Jesus' warning in the passage. He said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Jesus warns against a worry about your life, about what you will eat, about what you will drink, about your body, about what you will wear. I mean, such worries come because we don't believe that God is going to provide for us that somehow we can't trust God. And that's why Jesus commands his disciples not to worry, because such worry is sin. God will provide for his people. That worry, that sort of worry, takes our eyes off Jesus and off his kingdom that he's building. And so immediately we see the antidote to worrying in this life. It's trusting God. Last week I got a very helpful suggestion card asking if I could be more clear and maybe describe a bit more about what bearing good fruit looks like in our lives. And in this passage, Jesus does just that. He gives us three examples from the world 
to show his disciples you can trust God with the future. If you see these things happening around you, you know God's got it in control for the future you can't yet see. The logic he uses is if God cares for even these little things, imagine how much more he cares for something as valuable as a person. So he picks up the example of the ravens. He says, consider the ravens. They do not reap or sow. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Ravens come up a bit in the Bible. Essentially, they are vile, unclean scavengers who pick the flesh off the bones of the dead. Yet in the wisdom literature in particular, they are animals that rely on God for food. Here's Psalm 147. We're told God provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. And Jesus kind of amplifies that very statement here. You see, ravens, they're not savers. They're not uh, investors. Ravens are not long-term planners. They live day to day. Yet God feeds them. God provides for them. He feeds the ravens, people. Jesus knew this in his life as well. He was tempted in the desert to make his own bread from the stones, wasn't he? To not trust God, but to look after his own worries. And what did he say when he was tempted by the devil? It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He says, I need nothing else but God's word. I trust God to provide for me. I tell you what's interesting in that story, I don't know if you remember it, but that he doesn't actually get food. He just gets the resources to be able to endure the test that's in front of him. Jesus didn't worry about how long he'd be out there for. He didn't worry about the pain he was going to have tomorrow with his hunger. He trusted that God's purpose for his life was to die at the cross, not to die at the desert. And so he knew that God provided for all of his people He'd seen it in God's work in providing for his people in the desert back in the Old Testament when he gave manna and quail to his people and he knew that he would provide for him as well. Jesus trusted in God's word and delighted in his heavenly father to give him what was needed. See, God is a provider. He feeds the ravens. And can I ask for your help in something? Please don't let me off the hook. It'd be very easy for me as a preacher to look around this room, look into the camera here and get you to think about the worries that are going on in your life right now. Because I want nothing more than for the Word of God to come into your heart, to challenge those worries and to change your thoughts into trusting about God. That's what I want for all of us, right? It'd be easy for me to deflect onto you and move it away from me as well. But I want you to know that I'm no different than you are. You see, when I'm up at four o'clock in the morning worrying about things or thinking about things, that can reflect the same kind of ungodly worry that any other things are about. Even if I'm thinking about church things or talking, thinking about ministry in my mind, don't let me off the hook. I need these words as much as you need these words as well. See, I need advice in leading mission in our church. I need help in leading mission in our church. I need support to lead mission in our church. 
But you know what I need most? I need to trust that God will provide. That he is a great provider. And I can trust him no matter what. So please pray for me. And help me as well. You know what you need to say to me? You need to say, feeds the ravens, Andrew. And by the way, you need to work on how you say that word ravens as well. You need to channel your inner teenager, kind of the sarcastic, he feeds the ravens, Andrew. You know, you work on that ravens kind of thing because you want it to be so obvious. How could you possibly forget? Feeds the ravens, Andrew. That's how much of a provider he is. The second illustration Jesus gives is about life itself. Have a look at verse 25. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? I mean, that's a great question, isn't it? I mean, what does worrying even accomplish? All that worry about the possibilities of the future, it's like a rocking chair. Worrying gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere, right? Worrying is about actively not trusting God in this life. And what does it even accomplish anyway? Nothing comes from it. Someone once said that all the stuff that we worried so much about in our life, in the end, it will simply be a dash on a gravestone. You've been to a cemetery recently? There's so many dashes all around the cemetery between our birth date and our death date. By the way, I looked up deathclock.com or something like that. Turns out 2051, that's when I'm going to die. So there's that. All that worry for nothing. You see, when you trust God as your provider, you know that every part of it, every second of your life is in God's hands. Even when there are massive fire trucks behind us blaring out their speakers. I mean, if our life is going to be added to, there's, a, there's an amazing story in um, Isaiah chapter 38 where Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, is granted 15 more years of life by God. I mean, we think that's a big thing. Jesus says in the passage today, that's just a little thing for God. I mean, if we're going to have a longer first chapter of our story, it's not going to come by the force of our worrying about things, is it? Remember what Jesus said on the cross? He lived this out. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. See, Jesus trusted his life to his heavenly Father, even in death. So Jesus was able to live out his whole life in the present because he knew that God had his future in his hand. May we live like that as well, trusting God. The third example he gives is the lilies, or the wildflowers as we have it in our passage. Have a look at verse 27. Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Again, God's provision in creation is obvious. But I tell you what I really like about these verses. Jesus is saying, look at the details. Look at the small things 
in creation. When we know God, we're supposed to be able to look around the world and see his wisdom all over the place. I mean, how many times in my busyness and in my worry and stress have I simply just not paid attention to what's around me? Jesus says, consider the wildflowers, not the cultivated ones, the wild ones that no one can lay a claim to. This uh, picture that's up on the screen right now, I took this picture on uh, our family's walk on Wednesday, it's my day off, uh, Wednesday at the Lane Cove uh, National Park as we were walking by the river. I said, Jess, look at this, look at this flower. And Jess went, yep, that's a weed, Andrew. I didn't know. But my point was, God closed the weeds just like that with incredible complexity and uh, and incredible uh, beauty. Jesus is saying, consider the wildflowers. Look around. See the detail of God's care. Flowers have been dressed in splendor, even for a short time, to engage our minds, to help us know about how good God is as a provider. And to be able to do that, that requires pause. It requires time. It requires imagination. I heard a great phrase some time ago. Worry is a waste of our imagination. Isn't that a good phrase? Worry is a waste of our imagination. Why is it that some of the most creative things we do is invent the worries of tomorrow? When we trust God as our provider, our worries about this life fade and the colour and joy of the present blossom because we know that God has taken care of our future. Have I said this point enough yet? I need to keep hearing it for myself as well. We don't worry about the things of the world. But rather, second point, we seek after the kingdom. Now, seeking is an active word. It means literally to go after something. And so we are to go after God's kingdom. We're not to worry about the things of this life, but to use the things we've been given for the kingdom of God. We now get the privilege to be able to use our imaginations, our possessions, our time, our gifts, for as long as we have breath in our lungs to be able to bear good fruit to the glory of God. And the reason we do this is because of that beautiful little phrase in verse 32. Have a look at this phrase. Jesus says, Your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. He's been pleased to give you the kingdom. It's happened. It's past tense. God has invited us in. He's given us membership. He's made us part of his kingdom. For those who follow Jesus, our Heavenly Father has given it to us already because of Jesus. So worry is about the future possibility, but God has taken care of the future. It's secure. And what's more, we're told he was pleased to do it. Pleased. That word pleased is the same word that he used when he looked upon Jesus at his baptism and said, with you, I am well pleased. God looks upon us with the same eyes of joy as he does his one and only son. And that is the security of the reality we find ourselves in. In Jesus, 
The kingdom of God is a treasure you cannot lose. I remember some time ago, before Axel was born, uh, our family went on a holiday. And when we were away, our place was robbed. The uh, burglars smashed through a sliding glass window and they came through and they ransacked our house looking for things that they could take with them. So we were obviously away when we got the call uh, from our neighbours. And Jess and I were reminded that night, as we were well away, we couldn't do anything, of this great point. You know what? The burglars could have taken everything. They could have had it all. But they could never have taken anything of real value because the only things of eternal value in our home are our family. And they are secure in God. Everything in our house is replaceable. Everything can wear out, can fail, can be stolen, can spoil, can fade. Everything. The burglars can have everything. Please don't rob our house. But they can have everything. And nothing would be ultimately lost. Our family has Jesus. And we can never be taken from him. We need to spend our lives then seeking the kingdom. What concerns us now is the kingdom of God because that's where we find our treasure and we get to value that above all. We seek to live out our trust in God with bearing good fruit that glorifies God and loves our neighbour and conquering the worries that would seek to take our hearts and our eyes off the big picture. We're not supposed to be consumed by the worries of this life. We want to be the soil in the parable of the sower that bears the good harvest for our Lord Jesus and his kingdom. So what's our main weapon in all of this? It's got to be prayer, doesn't it? There's a great verse in Philippians 4, which is our first reading today. We're told, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When I'm up at four o'clock in the morning, what should I do when I have my senses about me? I'm supposed to pray about the things that are worrying me. I can pray that God will take away my worry. But you know what? I can do more than that. I can take the things that are worrying me to God. I can cast them upon God, so to speak. I can ask for his wisdom, his strength, his guidance, and his solution to come on those things that I'm worried about. I can ask his protection for a person. I can ask for healing for a friend. I can let God answer that with a yes or no. But you know what the joyful thing that happens when I trust God with these things in prayer? I find I don't worry about them as much. Even if I'm conscious about them, I'm not consumed with worry about those things. It's amazing as we clarify our view of God, our view of our Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom that he's building, as we clarify our view more and more about that, the things of this world, the worries and the concerns around us become faded and faded and less and less. It's amazing how God sustains us and grows us through the worries of life. And that's the beauty of following Jesus. So praise God. He is good 
five stars. Good. Our Lord Jesus has risen from the dead. He is Lord. And he's given us a good salvation. He's given us the privilege of being able to live out and bear good fruit in our lives as we wait for the good hope that can never perish, spoil or fade. Let me pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the joy it is of knowing that you are in control and that Jesus is the Lord over the whole earth. Please help our hearts to trust you, to give across the worries of this world to you so that we know that you are a great provider and will always provide. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you look after us and grow us and guide us through the things of this world. We pray that we would help, we, you would help us to bear good fruit for your kingdom. And we ask that for Jesus' sake. Amen.